Welcome to Resilient Minds 365, where we discuss the resilient stories of entrepreneurs, professionals, and students with mental illnesses to encourage you to strive, thrive, and live in abundance. I'm your host, Cleone Crawford. Welcome back to another episode of Resilient Minds 365. I'm your host, Cleone Crawford. Well, guys, we have a special guest with us. Today, we have, uh, we will be talking about eating disorders. And this is a little bit, this is a topic that is new to me. And I'm really excited about it because I think we... There's a lot of misconceptions about what eating disorders are and whether they are mental illnesses or mental illnesses or not. So I'm going to introduce you to our guest. Her name is Allie Duff. Who is Allie Duff? Well, Allie Duff is the founder, CEO, and a fashion designer who believes that everyone has a right to live with pure confidence and deserves to feel strong, supported, and free to be themselves. As a Division I athlete, swimming was Allie's life. When her career came to a close, Allie was confronted with a toll of her neglecting mental and physical health, leading her to be admitted for treatment in 2018. As she started her journey to find balance, Allie struggled to find effortless pieces that were living soft, sorry, living it soft and made her feel better, feel herself, leading her to create pure balance. With that said, I now introduce you to, to you, Allie Duff. Allie, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So I'm just going to move this over here. All right. So Ali, tell us a little bit more about your profession. How did you get started? Why did you start it? Yeah, just break it down. Yeah, totally. So I, yeah, as you kind of mentioned, started the business um, kind of fresh out of my treatment for my eating disorder. I was going through the process of um, obviously going through a lot of mental health and changes and physical changes. And through that process was kind of learning what I wanted to really do with my life and what I didn't want to do. Um, and had a real trouble trying to find clothing that not only made me feel like comfortable, but also, also confident. Um, and that kind of sparked the idea to create a clothing brand but when I first created it it was very like just basic t-shirts and I had this idea to have affirmations hidden in the clothes somewhere because um, I found that affirmations were really powerful for me through treatment and just on an everyday basis basically um, and that kind of created the journey of starting Pure Balance. Um, it started with these like as I said, basic t-shirts with a logo on them. And then I created something called affirmation tags, which we still use to this date, which is really unique to us. And they're just sewn onto each of our pieces. And when you flip it over, there's an affirmation that's created 
just for you. So it's hidden from the outside world, but you know it's there and it's right at your fingertips. Um, so yeah, I've, that's how I kind of started the business. Um, I don't have a background in fashion design or business. I actually went to school um, for exercise science and was really heavy into sports, being a swimmer. Um, and then kind of just realized that I didn't want to go down that path and just started with a clothing brand. And then from there, it's just kind of snowballed. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Kind of funny how life would just take you in a different direction. Yeah, I know it is wild, eh? Yeah, definitely. I, 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 I am a testament to that. I understand when, when life takes you in a different direction, when you mm -hmm. study something and it just, it's not what it's not where you end up where you end up you end yeah up totally different direction so yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah okay perfect so as we know your your mental health diagnosis would be eating disorders yes what did you did you um live with any other disorders as well yeah so uh generalized anxiety clinical depression um, and then traits of borderline uh, personality disorder. But I would say eating, they're all pretty much like combined. Um, a lot of people who have eating disorders also have like a co-existing uh, mental illness as well, which is something that I learned about through treatment. Um, but yeah, so quite a few mental illnesses that I still deal with on a daily basis, but or in a different spot today than I was in the past. Okay. And when were you diagnosed? Um, yeah, I was trying to remember the exact time. I think like official diagnosis was probably around 2016 and then more clarity in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, but I would definitely say I struggled way before that. I just didn't really know what was going on. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can tell us, walk us through it. Tell us a little bit more about your mental health story of resilience. What did you go through and how did you, you know, bounce back, bounce forward, come to this? Yeah. So, oh, sorry. no worries. Come yeah. On. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I would say it really started to begin when I stopped swimming um, so I swam competitively for like 12 years of my life from age nine to 21. Um, and that was my identity. Like I was a swimmer. It was just like, I was very structured. I had this routine for so long. Um, and then when I retired from swimming, I kind of hit this point where I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my identity was and kind of I would say really started to fall into a deeper depression then. I would say I start I struggled with depression like for many years, but um, this is when I feel like it really started to like take a deep dive. Um, and then it just kind of like snowballed into my eating disorder just kind of like took off. And for a couple of years there, it was just kind of in and out of treatments, like therapy, um, and it just started to get worse and worse. Um, I also didn't have like the biggest understanding of eating disorders either. And neither did my family, um, neither did a lot of my friends. Um, so that was really tricky because it 
even my family doctor, it wasn't, it was just like, okay, go do this. Like there wasn't really a lot of support. Um, I went into an outpatient clinic um, local to me, but it was very, um, I would say relaxed, <laughs> not very structured, not very strict. So I didn't really want to be there or didn't really want to receive treatment at that time. So it was kind of just like, I would just kind of like go with the flow and not really follow any of the rules I should say because um, there was no one really making me do anything so from there I got put onto a wait list to get into a more intensive treatment um, which was like three hours away and the wait list was 10 months um, so this was covered through OHIP in Ontario um, so yeah, so it was a long time to wait, which is really unfortunate for eating disorders treatment and support, um, especially in Ontario, I would say in Canada, um, it's very limited. The amount of therapists are very limited because it is such a complex illness. Um, there does need to be a lot of skills when it comes to treating them and there's not enough, I would say knowledge in the past, like I'm hoping that things will change in the future, but yeah, so I just had to kind of like hold on for those 10 months. Um, I would say that was the hardest part. Um, I would say, and my depression was getting a lot worse. Um, it was kind of just surviving the days, not really living. Um, and I'd given myself kind of like one last chance. I was like, okay, I'll try this treatment out. If it works, then like, okay but if not like it was kind of just like this was my end all like it was just very very depressed so um I went to the treatment um this I think it was end of May 2018 um it was by far the hardest thing I've ever done and probably will be the hardest thing I've ever done um and from there it's just been yeah really working on my mental health I continually still do therapy now even though it's been like four years um but kind of the life after treatment was really hard like the year or two years after and then through the pandemic um but I definitely am in a better spot today um yeah I hope that answered your question I feel like I just rambled yeah no that answered everything so Perfect. one thing I have to commend you that you were able to wait the 10 months. That must have been grueling for you. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's pretty unfortunate that that's the case. Um, the only way I could have gotten into treatment faster was if I had gone to like a private facility, which was about 30,000 a month. And there was no way I could afford that. The only way that you can go is if you have really good insurance or like you can afford it. But like I couldn't afford that. So yeah. um, I was still kind of like getting support through the outpatient clinic local. Um, I mean, they were pretty much just like keeping me going until I was able to get in. And yeah, but that time is really detrimental to a lot of people. Um, and I don't even know what the wait times are like now because of the pandemic and the rise in people needing support um but yeah it's a it's a definitely a really major problem when it comes to um treatment for eating disorders 
Yeah, I can, I can, I can definitely see that being a, a, a major setback, you mm -hmm. know, for a lot of people because um, people, when you have, when you have a problem and you are, and you're looking to fix that problem, you're looking to fix it now. You, you, mm -hmm. Sometimes what, what could end up happening to you while you're waiting, um, the depression could get worse, the anxiety mm -hmm. can get worse, and it could lead to much, much more serious, more issues like suicide. Mm -hmm. And that is why people, yeah. just the fear fact that these gaps, you know, cause mm -hmm. people to, th these are reasons why suicide levels are so high. It's yeah. because of the gaps and, and the waiting periods and mm -hmm. having to wait for services and not have, not, you know, that feeling of helplessness. So, exactly. I mean, it's only, it's only, it's only, um, I'm very thankful that you were able to wait, wait out the period, mm -hmm. but not everyone is that lucky. No, and the thing with eating disorders is that although it is a mental illness, it really does affect your physical health as well. So there's that component too, mm -hmm. um, that you do have problems there as well. So yeah, the wait times are, it's just, yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's unfortunate, yeah. yeah. That's really, really unfortunate. So yeah, I know. I'm always like, what can I do? And I just, I don't even know. Yeah. Oh, this is one way to raise awareness that. Yeah, is, exactly. This is something that, that, you know, just by sharing your story, letting people know that this is a problem. Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully some policymakers will, will make better changes and, and will provide more services for people with mental, with um, eating disorders as well. Mm -hmm. Because it is a mental, it is a mental disorder, and it does. It is. I think it's. Um, you mentioned earlier. It's it's uh, comor comorbid. Yeah. Um, where it deals, it it leads to other other mental illnesses as well. It's attached to other ones. Yeah, most like it is very common for people to have multiple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and eating disorders have like the second highest. Um, death rate for mental illness I think aside from addiction um so wow. yeah it's definitely not like something to be taken lightly and there does need to be some more action around it but yes yes definitely yeah. so my next question to you is so what did you have to do to overcome or bounce back from your low points list all the resources so I know that you went to therapy mm -hmm. you went you went to um, that program. Tell us some more about the program, how it helped. Yeah, so um, it was like a full day intensive uh, program. I was there for, I think around three months. Um, so you're in therapy. I mean, you're basically doing group therapy um, all day. Um, so it was in a hospital um, and I mean, you're being monitored the whole time um, where I went, it was also like they were feeding you and watching you eat and tracking your meals, uh, making sure that you were eating enough while also kind of 
targeting like fear foods, they would say it. Um, you also had like your own therapist through this time that you could check in with. Um, but it was a lot of a lot of group therapy. Um, but you were, I kind of like described the experience as like being like stripped naked and just feeling like you're on fire because you can't use any of those coping mechanisms that you could in the past. So eating disorders are a lot to do with like coping mechanisms. And it's like, you're numbing out a lot of your life basically. And like, you just become like that, that illness and that kind of like takes over. And when you can't do anything around that illness, um, you, it's kind of like, you're not the same person, right? Like, it's kind of like, if you think about addiction or alcoholism, you take away the drugs, people go through withdrawal. Um, and then they kind of like go through treatment that way with an eating disorder, you can't take away the food because we need food to survive. So it's kind of like you lose all the coping mechanisms to no matter, depending on what the disorder is, um, to learn how to eat without, or to eat, I guess, um, without using any of those coping mechanisms or, um, but I would say like the biggest thing was like the group therapy and learning more about kind of why the why behind everything, um, was big. Um, yeah, I don't think I would have like survived if I didn't do this intensive treatment. Um, I think I really needed to be on a structure and I needed rules and I needed someone kind of like telling me what to do and watching me. Um, although it was like extremely hard and I probably have blocked a lot out of my memory, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was what is, was right. And like, for some people that may not necessarily be the case, like a lot of people can start recovery and do it through therapy or an outpatient or like on their own, like it definitely is not one size fits all, which I think is really important when it comes to a mental illness or a mental health is that um, what works for one person may not work for another person. Um, and I think that's an important note to remember. Right, right, right. Mm. That's very good points, very good points. So my next question to you is, what are three things you wish you had available when you were at your lowest point? Um, I mean, the obvious one is just, I wish that there was more treatment options and I wish um, that the wait times weren't so long. Um, I would say like when I was at my lowest, it was really hard for my family and for friends. I kind of just, I mean, blocked out most of my friends anyway. Um, so I do wish that there was more kind of understanding about eating disorders in general for people to understand like what it is like I didn't even have any knowledge about eating disorders until like I was going through it um if you think back like even when we were in school or even high school or anything like that you just kind of learn like the definitions of like two disorders and that's it like Mm -hmm. you don't there's very much like a look for an eating disorder which is not correct like it's a black and white kind of thing where 
there's so much that happens in like the gray zone um which is where a lot of the stigma happens I do feel like things are starting to get better but I think there's still a long way to go um the third thing yeah I would just I don't know I would just say like more access to treatment and more access to therapists like there was only like one or two therapists and where I live that specialized in eating disorders so mm -hmm. yeah and it's not you won't find a lot of eating disorders through like the programs that are offered through OHEP or like the the pay what you can kind of therapy programs most of those are just kind of like generalized so yeah okay that makes sense. All right. Thank you very much. Um, so my next question is, so what words of hope can you give to our listeners? What would you tell them? Actually, before you answer that question, um, an eating disorder, you said it, it's, it's, it looks, it doesn't look the same for every, every person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did an eating disorder look for you? What did like, were you bulimic? Like, what, what happened? Like, what were, hmm. what were some of the activities that you did um, when you were, I guess, ill? Yeah. Um, so I was anorexic, but I also went through, like, anorexia and atypical anorexia, which the difference is only your weight so you could weigh x amount and be considered anorexic or you could be like two pounds heavier and be considered atypical anorexia which is still the same the same illnesses I think and I also think that there's a lot of stigma around that um but I would say if someone saw me on the street they wouldn't have known that I had an eating disorder I think that there's either your the taboo or the stigma is that you're extremely underweight, like you're hooked up to a feeding tube or you're extremely overweight. And then everyone in between is like the gray zone and that's not considered. Um, I think that's what we learned in school as well. Um, so, I mean, I struggled with a lot of things like over-exercising, restricting, like self-harm, like a lot of things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of things like that can be hidden, right? Like no one's going to see you doing any of that. Um, it's kind of like depression, anxiety. No one sees it. It's invisible, but it's like you experience it. Um, but yeah, definitely for eating disorders, it also doesn't matter your age. Like I went to treatment with people who were like 18 and 60. Like it doesn't discriminate on your age or your gender. Um, and I think that also is where the stigma happens is that we have this kind of like stereotypical like look for an eating disorder. Um, yeah. And that is kind of the area that I think people are trying to really break down, but I mean, it's going to take a lot of work because it's been years in the making, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Okay, perfect. Thank you. And what words of hope would you offer to our listeners? What would you tell them? Yeah, I would definitely say like if someone is struggling with their mental health or a mental illness, um, 
to remember that you're not your illness. Um, I think we put a lot of like identity on ourselves, like we're someone that has depression or we're someone that has anxiety. And then we kind of feel like that's our identity. Um, but like you can have those illnesses and still have like a successful, happy life. It's just something that you deal with. Um, and I also would say to take it one day at a time, I think when you are struggling with your mental health or any mental illness, um, it does feel really overwhelming. You kind of look at the future and feel everything feels like very like dooming. Um, but I would definitely say that taking things one day at a time is going to be really helpful for you. Um, and if you're thinking about doing any treatment or any kind of recovery or no matter what it is, um, 100% is worth it. Um, like I never thought I would be in recovery. I just thought that wasn't for me. Like I just figured like I would be sick forever and just deal with it. And that would be my life. Um, but I'm really happy that I am like in a different stage in my life right now um, than I was. I'm not going to say it's an easy process, but it's definitely worth it. That's for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Wonderful. Not an easy process, but it's definitely worth mm -hmm. it. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So now we're going to take a switch on the okay. interview. Um, as you can see behind me, there's a book and it says the music of my life. So yeah. basically the book is about um, bipolar and music therapy. So okay. I would like to know what type of music do you like? Yeah, that's a hard question. I feel like a, like a mixture of music. I'm not like a one kind of person, but I do love kind of, I don't know the right like term. I don't know if it's like indie or kind of like indie pop maybe I don't know <laughs> <laughs> okay cool 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 yeah all right so if you were to think of a song that best describes your journey what would it be and why um that's tricky I did listen to the song a lot like when I was going through treatment um it's called scars to your beautiful by um i think it's alicia or Alyssa Kara. i'm probably botching her name to be honest um but i think like it's a lot to do with kind of like body image and things like that mm -hmm. which i did relate to um i would say when i was going through my journey i would listen to kind of like what i would call like sad music like um which I found comfort in now, if I listen to it, it would probably be sad, but um, yeah, it's hard to find one song that really can kind of capture your whole journey. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> but that song, Alyssa Carr. Yeah, I, that song is, yeah, a really great song. Okay, cool. No worries. Awesome. So how can we stay in touch with you? What are your social media, media handles? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Ali Jean Duff, or if you want to check out my business, it's Pure Balanced on all 
socials um, and the balance is spelled with an X instead of a C, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Ali, for taking part in this um, interview. Um, I think um, this is going to be a really great episode for people to hear about. And yeah. it's going to be the 50th episode. So oh, wow. Gonna, Congrats. Uh, thank you. So I'm going to be quite excited to to air it. And um, yeah, you know, because it's, it's just a totally different topic. And uh, yeah. eating disorders, it, we people don't understand it. And mm -hmm. they have so many different, there's so many different misconceptions. So mm -hmm. um, thank you very much for sharing your story. And yes, with that said, to all you resilient minds out there, until next time, please subscribe to us on all our platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Also join the community of resilient minds and sign up for our monthly newsletter at cleonycrawford.com. Be sure to grab a copy of my book, The Music of My Life, on all Amazon marketplaces to get to know me better. And if you can think of one person that can receive value from today's show or connect with Ali's testimonial, please share it with them. Feel free to take a screenshot of this week's episode of the episode of the podcast and tag us on Instagram. You can tag myself at OnlyCleone or ResilientMinds365 and today's guest at Ali Jean Duff. Um, and remember, mental health is not a death sentence. Despite your illness, you can strive, thrive, and live a life of abundance. Until next time, I'm Cleone Crawford, and I'm signing off.